BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Morning, millennials. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone's having an amazing, blessed, and just safe and wonderful day. Happy Thursday, everyone. You guys were so close to Friday. It's a beautiful feeling. <sighs> I'm so to know excited. You have only one more waking up to do before you can stay asleep. Before you can live the alarm-free life. Yeah, that's. I live five days for two to live the alarm-free life. It's no, and it's like I work hard so that one day I won't have to ever set an alarm again unless I have a flight to catch you know yeah. no I work hard sleep harder so hard I sleep so hard like sometimes a nuclear bomb could go off and like it wouldn't even startle me like I'm just too dead asleep so I've actually it's interesting that you bring this up because um I was thinking about whether I was going to share you know my personal anecdote of the day mm-hmm. but Your I've been POD? Ha- my POD I've been having disrupted sleeps P-O-A-D. Oh, the worst. P-A-O-D. P-A-O-D. And you know how I've been complaining a lot recently that my legs hurt? Yes. Like every, uh, it, this is something that you sometimes happens to me infrequently, but recently it's been happening a lot where my legs just like hurt. And the only way to describe like the pain is like, they just feel so weary. It's yeah. not a cramp. Like Weak. It's, it's not a throb. Like they just ache of weariness. And so yesterday I decided to, you know, do some Google diagnosing. Of course. And it turns out. It's the out, safest thing you could do. <laughs> It turns out what I have is restless leg syndrome. Excuse me, I've been saying for years that I have restless leg no, syndrome. And I, it's literally what I have because one of the symptoms is pain in the legs, mostly happens during the evenings. And the biggest thing is that you have like an, you can't control moving your legs all the time. And when Zach and I go to bed, and I'm always moving around. He literally has to tell me to stop moving. And mm-hmm. it's my, but now it's my RLS. Like you have RDH, I have RLS. No, but by the way. And it also makes you tired during the day, which would explain why I'm never quite awake. Yep. And it just explains all of my life's qualms. It doesn't explain the migraines though. That would be nice if it just all wrapped up. I have had this leg problem since I was a child. And I Me will too. never forget when I was a kid and I saw a commercial for restless leg syndrome and they were literally describing what I was feeling. I never got like meds or anything. I just diagnosed myself on the spot. I do have restless leg syndrome. I did go to a doctor and they thought it was a potassium deficiency, which it's not. It's restless leg syndrome. It is the fucking worst. Yeah. Like, I know. It's the worst. When I was younger, it used to only be in the back of my knees and it would be when I stayed up a little too late. And mm-hmm. like, that's how I knew it was time to go to sleep. But now, like last night, I had it in my hips 
And I was like, okay, I'm taking to Google. Google also says that like it's not something that's really treatable and something that you just live with. And I mean, it's like not the craziest feeling in the world. It just feels so strange. But also Google said that it flares up after like long periods of sitting, like in a car ride. That's why when we came, when we went to Newport yeah. that night, I was complaining so much because we had been in the car for four hours. And also like... Well, I that think- explains why I have the disease. <laughs> I'm constantly True. sitting. True. So like... I'm just learning stuff yeah. about myself. And I feel like that's why I'm always crossing and uncrossing my legs on the show. Mm. I just have RLS. So if you see it, me acting up, just know. Like I just feel like millions of Americans suffer from RLS every year. And we're just like the quiet. We're like just quietly suffering. We're suffering in silence. Because, well, it's, not, not, but because it's not that serious. Right. It's just like an interesting thing that happens. And it's people don't take you seriously because when you're it's like, oh, my legs. You're not saying like, oh, my legs hurt. Because it's not really pain. It's just like unco- discomfort. It's yeah no you're right last night it was like really uncomfortable that I actually took a bath oh wow which is not something that I typically do by the way I find that taking Advil helps yeah I'm sure I'm sure that it might I don't know Advil I feel like doesn't work well I feel like half the time it works not even like my house is literally like runs on Advil if we are out of Advil it is or Tums it is pandemonium. Like, we cannot survive one minute without Advil or Tums. Remember how in the beginning X. of COVID, you know, it was said that you shouldn't take ibuprofen because it will exasperate your symptoms. Yeah. So, like, I really stuck to that. And then it wasn't until Yom Kippur, Ben offered me an Advil when I got, like, my fasting migraine. And it hadn't occurred to me for eight months that I could take Advil. Well, the thing with Advil is the more you take it, the less it works. So you actually taking eight months off of Advil, like, might have been an amazing thing for you. Spoiler alert. Still didn't work. Still had to take my magical oh, pill. I love Advil. Like, there is not a problem that Advil can't fix, you know? Yeah. Except, I wish I had that experience. Except for migraines. Yeah. That's the one thing Advil can't tackle. But, like, literally but broken phys- leg, but like Advil. physical pain. Okay, I'll try it next time my RLS flares up. No, I'm so glad we spoke about this. Like, I... I've been saying for years, and nobody takes you seriously. No, nobody takes you seriously. Do you think it's hereditary? Well, I did see, I'm remembering now in my Google diagnosis, it did say that it it can be genetic. So Mm. it would make sense that That you and I both have have it. Yeah, so it's I, the worst. Imagine like Theo has it too, and he's just like <gasps> suffering, suffering in silence. silence. Oh my god, stop! And that's, that's why he's always sad. so sleepy, and that's why he's always going like this. Can I get a wide shot? This is what he does in his sleep. It's the RL. <laughs> no, that is him being so imaginative and having crazy dreams of him running through fields and frolicking in the gardens. It was the RLS acting up. We've, so, so we've got, <laughs> we've got a fabulous show for you guys today. We are, of course, recapping everything that went on in pop culture yesterday. We are also recapping a little TV because The Real Housewives of Orange Ca- County was on last night. And Jackie and I both watched. I watched two and a half. You watched one episode of The David Letterman Show. And I'm I've- spacing them out. I'm, I'm, well, it's like I'm so excited about the idea of them. And so far, I only watched Kim. And maybe we'll just get into our recap right now, even though I want to save it for the TV recap. I just want to like preface my TV recap by just one statement. I hate David Letterman. Okay, I was literally just having this conversation. I absolutely, like, and I feel like I'm about to offend so many people, but I guess that's what we do here these days. Um, I I know what it is about, uh, let's just wait for the TV recap. Wait for the TV recap, because I just have, like, some But David Letterman stands, be warned. You know what? I really don't think there's that many David Letterman, in the Venn diagram of David Letterman and Toast fans, like, I don't think there's that many people in the middle. Yeah. Who, like... Are going care enough to be offended? Okay, good. I, I absolutely love to hear that. Um, and I also I watched a CMT and awards I'm sure last I'll night. Be surprised. Yes, you did. I would love to hear the experience. And it's just 
you know, country music when it comes to remote award shows is far superior to other genres. And the CMT Awards was nothing short of spectacular. I thought they did a great job. I loved all three co-hosts, Sarah Hyland, Ashley McBride, who was like a little nervous in the beginning. and She looked very like stiff, but she got with it. And honestly, I don't listen to of all the people. Probably I was least familiar with Ashley McBride and her music, but she performed this song that was so everything like i think i'm on the way to being an ashley mcbride you know what like it It was called like martha something it is time for us to become ashley mcbride stands there's absolutely no reason why we've never listened to one of her songs she wins so many awards grammys she's in our favorite genre i don't we love women in country music like it's honestly offensive that we don't give her the time of day and this song i was just like living for her vibe she just like gives no fucks and i could just the performance definitely turned me into a fan without knowing anything. Like, it was really good. I'm really glad to hear that. Who was the third co-host? Sarah Hyland. No, no, you oh, said her. Kane Brown, who's everything of the sort. Oh, everything. And honestly, after seeing him on the Home Edit show, which I also want to talk about, um, I just, like, love him and his wife. And I feel like they have, like, a really normal life, even though he, like, is so famous. Um, I have a theory about why the country music awards are doing virtual shows better because i think like when you distill the music down like country music really is is founded on like a man and his guitar you know and that's easier to translate and you can do like solo performances much easier versus like pop it's so much about like the theatrics but see i'm not saying i don't think the i think the performances at all award shows are fairly the same no matter if they're remote or not I just think that like the way that they flow and they script and they have the fake music and they have the different stages. They t- in both the CMA and the CMT awards, they took over all of Nashville. They had a stage downtown to east, west. It's not about the performances. It's really just about the vibe. And even the Billboard Music Awards, and I love Kelly Clarkson, had a very awkward tone to it. And I find that these viral shows, when there's no audience, not viral, remote shows, when they, when they don't have an audience, there is that awkward element. Yeah. And I don't feel that way at any of the country music awards. That's the country difference. Very interesting. Luke Holmes opened the show. Beautiful. What did he sing? Five, four, three, two, one, too many. And at the end, Brooks and Dunn came out and they shotgunned a beer. And it was just like truly, it, like the show started just like that. No co host. It just opened the commercial. I'd love to see straight it. Straight to Luke Holmes. It was, you could tell literally everyone hadn't been on stage in so long that they were just living for like this performance. And I was living for the performance. Also, new Luke Holmes music comes out Friday. tomorrow. Tomorrow. Five new songs. Tomorrow. It's very I exciting. Love it's so exciting. Um, it's just exciting, you know? No, it's never been a better time to be a country music fan or a redhead. No, that's the thing about being a redhead. It's never been a better time, and it's always a good time. It really is like the perfect hobby. I just want to, if I may, just Please. go off on the redheads really quickly because it's such a great community. Like the, we still have a functioning Facebook group where people share and aren't animals to each other that they're reading. Yeah, and then you get to read a book, and we try and choose books like that have good reviews, and so we have good conversations around them. And then there's a podcast dedicated to like all of our thoughts, and we all always feel differently about the mm-hmm. book. So like somewhere in one of the four of us, like your opinion will be voiced. Right. You'll and feel heard. I just think it's like a really, it's a good hobby, you know? I it's agree. a good way to spend your time reading more, listening to more of me and my friends who are great. And yeah. so if it's you're ever, if you're like ever feeling like you want to pick up a new hobby, might I suggest the redheads? You know, it's great to feel like a part of something. Reading is great for you and your brain. And I just, I actually cannot see one downside of becoming a redhead and that's just a a hobby worth taking up yeah and we also share all the other books that we read during month all four of us so you can get other book recommendations we rate every book on a scale of one to five they're very hard raters we are (laughs) someone posted the funniest comment about dana they were like 
Dana gives the most like insightful reviews about the book that she's reading. She's like powerful, blank, blank, you know, very strong, love the protagonist. 2.5. 1.8. Right. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> just a little redhead humor. So just check it out, you guys. It's check it out. so worth your time. Thank you for letting me share my passions. If I've learned anything from working on so many passion projects, it's that that's what fuels you, you know? Mm-hmm. Life is full of things you don't want to do and things you want to do, and you have to prioritize both. You do. Episodes drop the first Thursday of every month. Easy as that. Um, I think we should dive in. I think we just have like a lot of ground to cover, and I'm really looking forward to giving my thoughts on Claire and her prom. So it's the top of the story. It's the first story, just for you. So, Do you mind if I take it today? The first story? No, the um, the fast five stories that you need to know. Oh, sure. It is time for the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and also, sorry, I know I keep like talking over you, but what would a day at the morning toast be if I didn't do <laughs> just that? Oh, really quickly, speaking of talking over people, I don't want to like, I don't need to formally put it in the TV recap segment, but did you watch the Home Edit show? No. Okay, so I watched, wow, that was like a, nah, like you're no, disgusting. <laughs> you know what? Like, I didn't watch it because I think because you watched it and it didn't seem like something I needed to watch. Okay, so they got amazing celebrities on it. And so every episode was like a celebrity and a real person. And like the celebrity's house was so clean that it really, they just like organized it. And then the the real people had like hoarders. And I, I skipped through a lot of the real people stuff because I really only tuned in for the celebrities. Like they had Khloe Kardashian, Reese Witherspoon. I had seen their TV show on AT&T, um, Hello Sunshine, Reese's production company that kind of discovered them. I think they sold that show to Netflix. Um, And the whole show was built around like their organization skills. And if you're into organizing, it's like very pleasurable. I actually feel like I learned a lot about like dimension and there's a real science to it. They did Rachel Zoe's closet, which was sick. But there is this like weird vibe between the two girls. Um, (laughs) One of them, and it like reminds me, I feel like it must be what people say about me and you because like one of them talks all over the other girl. But like, we're so different because the one who talks over the other girl is like so mean to her. Like she just like puts her down constantly. And I feel like these two girls like definitely hate each other. Like, I'd, but they built such a successful brand, like literally like a multi-million dollar brand. They have products in the container store. They have this TV show on Netflix, like their Instagram, their clients, like they, they did Chloe Kardashian's house before the TV show. Like she's been a long time client, same with Rachel Zoe. And I just like could not get over the vibe between them. And it made me really sad because like, no business can survive. It was so toxic. Like That is so crazy. And you know that they're like reeling it in and like being normal for the show, but it's like still seeping out. Like just so mean. <laughs> one of them is just so domineering and like talks over and puts down the other one. And then the more I watched, I felt like the one who was being put down was kind of like the the brains behind more of the organization. I think the other girl made it into like more of a business, but like the science of like tall versus short, stack, dimension. I was getting the vibe that it was the blonde girl, even though the blonde girl was like constantly being put down. Honestly, now I want to watch it because now it sounds interesting. Yeah, no, it was. Is a, there one episode? I don't want to watch the whole thing. Is there one episode you would recommend? Um, probably Rachel Zoe. Okay. Because it was very sickening to be inside her closet, and it had the most work to be done because like she had come to their house. They had they had done her closet like months ago, and she had gotten so much new stuff, and like had just kind of lived in the closet, so it wasn't terribly messy, but it was overflowing with stuff and it was like sickening to see all of her stuff okay done yeah I have so much on my content plate I know like my cup runneth over um so I'm sorry I just had to get that in um but speaking of your RLS I just wanted to say I did speak to a few kind of eccentric like eastern medicine doctors who did say that certain um like medicines and 
procedures for RDH can also be applied to RLS. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, what is What are one of those procedures? I'm so glad you asked. Well, you know today's Thursday, and so of course today's episode is brought to you by Thursday Boots. Just in time for the start of boot season, we received a few of the new releases from our friends at Thursday Boots. I got the most sickening pair of white booties. Like, white booties are such, like, a thing. Mm-hmm. And Snatchler wears them all the time. And I just want to be just like Snatchler. And I got a fabulous pair from Thursday Boots. And they have, like, a nice little heel or a pointed toe. They're super shiny. I love them. I love Thursday Boots. I just got a pair of white combat boots um, from their new collection that are so sickening. And I just feel like combat boots are the boot of the season. I agree. And the white booties that you got, I got them last year with cherries on them and what's they have a nice sized heel but what's so amazing about them is I remember I wore them all day like from the toast right. to midnight and my feet did not hurt at all for a heel like that is incredible Huge. I stand Thursday Boots. For those who may not remember, Thursday Boots is an NYC-based startup brand that designs really, really comfortable, high-quality boots and sells them at the best direct-to-consumer price. They handcraft their boots in the same North American and European facility as brands that charge two to four times the price. So by cutting out the retail markups, they offer the highest quality boots at a very accessible price point and they sell them directly to you. And if there ever was a year to invest in more comfortable boots... It's now. If you want fast fashion or shoes that rarely make it out of your closet, do not shop at Thursday Boots. Thursday Boots is an investment in comfort, timeless styles, and staples that will last for years. You deserve more comfortable boots without the high retail markup. Because Thursday Boots is all about year-round honest pricing at the lowest sustainable markup possible. They never have sales or discounts, but they are going to give our listeners free two-day shipping on the first order and always offer free returns and exchanges. So you have nothing to lose trying out your first pair. Go to thursdayboots.com slash toast and you can have a pair on your doorstep before next Thursday that's oh yeah their shipping is incredible um t-h-u-r-s-d-a-y b-o-o-t-s dot com slash toast for free two-day shipping plus free returns and exchanges from Thursday boots it's absolutely everything of the sort and just just listen to us okay yeah everything of the sort Okay, first story um, in what we're calling prom gate, bachelorette Claire Crawley is firing back at claims that she lied about not attending prom. So yesterday, a user posted on Instagram, we posted it on the Morning Toast if you want to see the exact images, of her husband at prom in 1999 with what appears to be Claire Crawley. Wait, first of all, before we get into the details, the pictures were so 90s. Like, Claire's hair. She literally looked like a character from Never Been Kissed. She really, really did. And she had said on the show on Tuesday nights, she said that she didn't have the great greatest high school experience and that she never went to prom. So then, And this, she said, I just, like, was, like, invisible. She said, nobody ever asked me. Nobody even knew who I was in high school. I was just invisible, I think. I felt invisible. So, so of course, this picture went viral. This picture surfaced. It looks like Claire's at prom. There's a corsage and also we're like okay she's lying and then Claire commented on the Instagram post I have so many problems with her response that's where my my real qualms lie she said you do know there is more dances in high school that are not prom turns out it's just someone digging up old photos why she keeps her husband's old dance pics I'm not sure I went to a new school senior year and in fact I did not go to prom just like I said Okay, so two things here. Her grammar is bothering me so much in the first sentence. Second of all, um, I don't know why she's like throwing shade at someone for keeping photos from your high school dance. Like that's why you take those memories so that 50 years later you can show your grandchildren them. Like it's, that's like a weird. That's like literally the point of of pictures. 
are the pictures. You know, that's just like a weird hill to die on. Like, weird to keep pictures. Like, no, it's literally the point of pictures. It's the point of taking them. No, I totally agree. And also, someone commented this on our Instagram. It just made me laugh. Like, why is it a flex on The Bachelor to not have gone to prom? No, it's like, it's a thing every year. Yeah, I just, uh, whether you went to prom or not, neither here nor there, clearly there were many other dances. And so I don't think Claire was like lying about not going to To prom. The prom. But what she went to looked very prom-like. So I understand why the woman was like, wait, no, my husband went to prom with And by the way, I don't fault the woman at all like if literally my husband went to prom with someone famous and they were like I didn't go to prom you know I would literally be thirsting out like I don't blame her at all she went private I feel like she was getting like a lot of hate I feel really bad for her um but I just want to say like while this isn't a lie she definitely did not go to prom this is like a junior dance it is misleading to say I didn't have a good high school experience I was invisible when now you're saying no I switched schools senior year and didn't go to prom so like it just it seems like you're like a like a an attend like it seems like a ploy for sympathy yes it does but I will say I don't know why I constantly feel find myself defending Claire no please but on this I must say like as someone who switched schools in high school it's awful and I switched my sophomore year and I, I found it to be extremely difficult her switching her senior year like that is kind of traumatizing that is all I'll say 100% but that doesn't give you a bad high school experience when three out of the four years seem to be fine and also it's like this is such an interesting story because no one here is lying Matt I think right. like and even maybe the woman who posted it like maybe it was her husband's senior prom but Claire was like a junior and so she didn't go to her senior prom but she has been to prom you know no the thing is is that like Claire is telling the truth yeah but it the way she kind of phrased it was very misleading and if you're gonna go on TV you have to know that like every person from your past is gonna be like I saw Claire in the bathroom once and she didn't say hi to me like that's just the world that we live in like everyone like wants to get on the Claire train yeah and I just think the way she phrased it and what she said was incredibly misleading and it's like it just seemed like a ploy for like sympathy like what? You're the most beautiful girl in the world, Claire. I would take you to my prom. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I feel you. And that's what girls do when they date. They lie. But you're on TV and you got to lie better. That's what we're saying. That's literally what we said yesterday. Yeah. Totally. I actually um, spoke to Brandon, Brandon, the guy who we had like, gotten to the most heated debate about. He Brandon is what's going to take down this show. <laughs> no, literally. Like, we agree on everything except for Brandon. Nothing can come between us. I just want to say, I got like a lot of DMs people supporting my side. So no, I think most people did take your side. Yeah, because I'm right. <laughs> um, I spoke to him in the DMs yesterday. Uh, he really was not speaking English. I cannot understand like what he was saying, but he seemed to have no hard feelings towards Claire. Oh, that's good to know. See, yeah. like, so mature. She probably made the wrong choice. I don't think he was, like, the guy that she thought that he was. Yeah, no, and I'm, like, getting all bent out of shape on his behalf, and, like, he doesn't even care, you know? <laughs> it really did not make me feel good. That is so true. Yeah, like, I need to relax. Like, I need to stop taking battles that, like, are not mine. No, and that's, I feel like that's the plight of being, like, a reality television fan. It's, like, we get so Heated. invested in, like, these things on behalf of other people, but, like, they've moved on. Yeah, no, and, like, especially, they don't even care. Especially Why do by you? the time it aired, like, Six everyone has moved on. <laughs> totally. Okay, next story. Anna Wintour and Shelby Bryant split after 20 years together. So This is giving me, like, total Devil Wears Prada vibes. Because, yes. like, she said... By the way, and Devil Wears Prada is based on Anna Wintour, right? Like, yes. loosely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Vogue. Okay, the, yeah. The woman who wrote the book was working at Vogue. And so the experiences are what the woman experienced as Anna Wintour's assistant. Yes. And that conversation in Paris where she's like, you know what they're going to say? She, uh, stone cold, whatever, sends another one packing. And I feel like the the headlines that I'm seeing are like, 
Anna Wintour finally. So it's like everyone knew that this marriage was over. Well, so there's a lot of interesting factoids here per page six. Okay. Anna Wintour and telecom millionaire Shelby Bryan have finally split after more than 20 years together, page six is told. Page six had previously reported that things had cooled off between the fa- powerful pair and that they hadn't been seen, to get, seen in public together for some time. But now we're told they're done for good. It's not clear yet what caused the split, but the chatter around town was that Bryan had gone back to his ex-wife, okay. Catherine Bryan, whose husband, investment banker, Damon Mezzacapa died in 2015. But sources close to Catherine tell us that she's not back with Brian, who stepped out on her when he began an affair with the Condé Nast Honcho back in 1999. Oh my God, this is so messy. No, but it's like, yeah. It's messy, but it all, it's like just no, coming around. No, this is what they say. They like, said, how you get them is the, how you lose them. The source just said that Catherine and Shelby have kids together and are friends. So they're not back together due okay. to the passing of her husband. But some people are saying that they are. Oh, my God. This is so messy. Like, imagine, imagine you're the first wife and it's like your husband cheats on you with Anna Wintour. 20 years go by. And then your husband dies. I mean, this is so messy. Rich people drama is truly fascinating. Yeah, and the fact that Page Six has, like, all of the tea on this, like, this is what Page Six is for. Yeah, exactly. This is the type of news that, like, only Page Six writes about and cares about. Right, because they really have their ear to their to the ground And it's, in like, New very York. New York-centric, right. Also, they had reported that in November, things began to sour between the couple um, back in 2013 after it was revealed that he owed the IRS about $1.2 million in back <gasps> taxes. So I think that's where the finally comes from because it's like oh. there has been some chatter for a while not Got like it. finally she left him very robin dixon of him yeah 1.2 million that's crazy mm-hmm. Man. so it seems as though they are done no more do you think anna wintour is gonna like hit the dating scene who do we ship her with Ooh, that's older a older gentleman question. like the Jacekis guy that's who she needs the, but like not the actor because she shouldn't be dating like an actor like the the character think, he plays um jeff bridges Oh, I think Jeff Bridges is like happily married. I'm sure that he is. I mean, who wouldn't marry Jeff Bridges, most yeah. eligible man? And be happy. Yeah. And oh, Jeff also- Bridges was also in, because um, I was trying to think, like, I feel like we're always watching Jeff Bridges and we can only come up with two movies. He was in the Fire movie we just watched. Yes, of course. Uh, but that's Only the Brave. That wasn't on Google. I wow. just feel like if Google, like, they, they're so, like, in my business and, you know. Data. Getting my data and they know what I like. So when you're looking at, when you're, when I'm searching what movies Jeff Rich is in, like, put the ones you know I like at the top. Such a good call. Like, if you're not going to use my data to benefit me, then don't use it at all. Yeah, like, if you're going to spy on me, at least make my life easier. hundred percent. Like, like, when you get an ad for something that you hadn't seen before, that's, like, so you. No, I literally buy from my fucking Facebook ads all the time. They know me so well. I got a pair of boots last week that are the cutest boots I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I yes, the pink ones. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to wear them. I'm having a hard time styling them. Um, but you guys, they're the cutest things ever, and I would have never seen them without a Facebook ad. It's, so, like, that's, you know, that's when it's, like, is the social dilemma a dilemma if I'm getting new boots? Right, but then it's, like, stop buying things, you know? Yeah, but then it's, like, just show me the good Jeff Bridges movies at the top that are catered towards, like, my needs needs and, and the information that you have on me. I couldn't agree with you more. I really couldn't. I just think that's fair to ask. I just think it's so interesting, like Anna Wintour's personal life. Anna Wintour is such an interesting celebrity to me because she is the type of person who's famous for having a job. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. not like most celebrities like are so famous and they work a couple times a year doing movies or whatever. She's like a famous corporate, corporate queen. Cog. Yeah. Like she goes into condo, like World Trade Center every day. Like to me, people, that's like how also I feel about Derek Blasberg. Like, and maybe it's like a fashion thing, but like people no, who are then, famous for having jobs. Also, there are like other famous CEOs like Bob Iger. Yeah, but 
Anna Wintour is not a CEO. I don't think Bob Iger goes into the Disney office every single day. No, I, I think that literally he does. No, I think he travels all around the world just like being fabulous and doing Disney work. Also, he's not the CEO anymore. No, but like, and also like now, that's why I love Shark Tank because we're getting like famous nine to fivers. Right. And it's just so fabulous. Like Derek Blasberg works for YouTube. Like he works at Google, you know, like everyone else. Yeah. But I, I think, I feel like Derek Blasberg actually Never goes to no, the office. Doesn't not go he's into the office. always on a boat with Carly Kloss, always. Yeah. But like for Google. No, for you, like it's for the YouTube branding. Yeah. No, I think it's good branding. I just think it's an interesting group of people like who are famous for their jobs. I agree. Not for like their... Well, I guess your job is like your talent, but like not like an actor or a singer. Like, but I would say Anna Winter is just as famous as like many, many pop stars, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a very good point. Thank you. I love making good points. Um, so that is an interesting story about an it interesting is. woman. I can't wait to see who she dates next. I feel like she's like probably the type of person who like, no, actually, I think maybe she'll fall into another relationship. Yeah. But she seems like a very independent woman, you know? She does. But if she's been in a relationship for 20 years, she seems like a relationship kind of person. That's true. Like codependent. Yeah borderline unhealthy yeah no sounds bad <laughs> 20 years i don't know sounds unhealthy i disagree no i disagree too i'm just joking okay next up shonda rhimes reveals she left abc for netflix after being refused free disneyland pass so this is like some bob Iger drama too kind of and i'm sure there's like such a like a long road of like why she left but at the end of the day like i don't if I'm Shonda Rhimes, like Netflix money versus ABC money is like incomparable. Oh, for sure. But listen to the story. Shonda Rhimes opened up about her choice to leave ABC for Netflix in 2017 after creating many hits for the network, sharing that her breaking point came from an issue with a Disneyland ticket. In The Hollywood Reporter's October <laughs> cover story, no, this is, it's like infuriating. The producer explained that despite reportedly making over $2 billion for Disney and earning millions oh. of dollars for herself. Oh my God, I thought she made $2 billion from Disney. I'm like, girl, stay. For them. Okay. Um, including and earned millions for herself. Grey's her Anatomy. Show, Grey's Anatomy. She had a, a constant battle with ABC, which is owned by Disney. She said, I felt like I was dying, like I'd been pushing the same ball up the same hill in the exact same way for a really long time. Her breaking point came in 2017 over a trip to Disneyland. As part of her contract, the showrunner had an all-inclusive pass and had negotiated a second one for her nanny. However, her pass was not interchangeable, so when her sister needed one to take Rhymes' daughter to the park, she had to go back and forth with a network and was told, we never do this multiple times. Oh the God. park eventually issued her an extra pass, which would have cost $154, but it didn't work when her family arrived oh at the God. park. Rhymes then called a high-ranking executive who allegedly asked her, don't you have enough? <gasps> oh. No. No, I mean, first of all, th that would bother me too. It's like, with I'm that, literally making this company. I built this park and let me in. I totally no, understand. With that, she called her lawyer and asked to go to Netflix. Like, that is so infuriating to, like, first of all, Disney passes for everyone. For everyone. Just send, like, 50 in the mail yeah and to show up and not be able to get into the park and Ugh. it's like i'm trying to rhyme's sister like i am with her child and when it's like i have a million kids they're like going to disney is not like going to the park like it is literally a journey with the children in the car seat and the snacks and the nanny like it's a true journey and to go all the way not to get in like that would bother me so much too like i would quit my job also yeah no and i think that was just her breaking point but i can see exactly how that is a breaking point. it's just like such a small thing that's a no-brainer yeah. when someone is making you billions of dollars also at the end of the day like shonda rhimes is an innovator and a genius and like will go down in history as like one of the greatest tv producers and creators of all time and we're in like a transitional time right now where streaming services are so far beyond cable that like if if she had stayed at cable like i actually think it would have been like to her detriment she's so forward-thinking and 
Netflix, they give you unlimited budgets, unlimited passes, all the ideas you want, make a show. And I just think like that's where she should be anyway. I agree. I totally agree. Like someone who has like her talent and her success. Um, when ABC was what it was at the height of Grey's Anatomy, it was a perfect place for her. But now it's like, we're in the streaming wars. Like, get on board. Yeah. 100%. So, But, I, you know, I guess she could have done that for Disney Plus if they had really utilized her talents oh, properly. Oh, true. True, true. It's yeah. funny how I don't even think about Disney Plus, like, in the streaming wars. Even though, which is a great segue, I know, to our next story, Disney Plus is probably one of my favorite streaming services in terms of content they offer and navigation experience. Like, I find it very easily navigable. I totally agree. Oh, but I thought you were going to say disagree. No. And it's like whenever, I, they don't have a lot of TV shows, but whenever I'm, like, looking for a movie night, nine times out of ten, what I'm looking for is on Disney Plus. Or what yeah. I didn't even no, know I was You can for. find, like, some real content uppers on Disney+. Plus, 100%. And they'll always, like, take you back to a, a different time in your life. When things were so simple. Yeah. Um, I know we have, like, a big streaming wars um, update, and I'm dying to talk about it. But I'm also dying to talk about how today's episode is also brought to you by Liquid IV. Is, is that oh, okay with you? I think you? It's, that's so important for you to say right now. The cooler weather is here, and it makes it easier to miss signs of dehydration, like overheating or perspiration, which means it's even more important to keep your body properly hydrated. Yes, people think like summer got to hydrate. No, actually winter got to hydrate. That dry skin, you got to mm. drink some water. With one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water, you can get two to three times the amount of hydration as plain water. So if you're like me and like drinking water is kind of hard for you, um, I use the liquid IV sticks because then I'm taking that one glass of water and making it like into two to three times the hydration power. And it's just, it's efficient for my time, for my energy, and for my drinking water capacity because I don't have that much capacity of drinking water. If you watch my comedy special, you know that. Flu season often lines up with your holiday plans, but liquid IV can help support your immune system with like increased hydration and essential vitamins. These crazy times most of us haven't left our houses in so long our immunity actually might be lower than it was before so liquid IV can help support your immune system with that increased hydration and the vitamins uh that are in the packs so I just think it's really important that you take care of yourself because you don't want you don't want to be missing out on holiday season like we might be able to leave our houses like come on um it's perfect for staying hydrated on long flights long road trips it can even get with it can even help with hangovers after those extra holiday drinks I mean we've been saying forever like yes liquid IV is amazing for all the scientific reasons but at the end of the day, you take one when you're hungover and nothing helps more. And that's worth a million dollars. Excuse me. Liquid IV's best-selling hydration multiplier now has three flavors, guava, watermelon, and apple pie. Um, it's a fabulous product. It really is efficient for saving time if you're like me and you just can't really drink that much water. And great for hangovers, which I know our tipsy toasters will love. It's available nationwide at Walmart in the beverage section, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code TOAST at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code TOAST at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Promo code toast. That's L-I-Q-U-I-D-I-V.com. Promo code toast. And remember that one serving of liquid IV provides the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water alone. And they're on a mission to change the world. The company has donated over 5 million servings globally in response to COVID-19. Their products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, active U.S. military, over 3 million servings in total so far. So love it. You have no choice but to support. Sign on, get hydrated. Okay, okay back to the streaming wars because we have some streaming news. Quibi officially announces that it is shutting down. And if you watched The Morning Toast back when we were in our old studio, I literally called this. Like, not to make it everything about me. Did you? Oh, my God, yes. And that's, you know what happened. Like, that's why. 
Okay, interesting. Here's the tea. Quibi, the short-form entertainment service for mobile devices, announced on Wednesday that it will shut down just over six months after its service launched. The company, which was founded by Hollywood producer Jeffrey Katzenberg and former HP CEO Meg Whitman, raised $1.75 billion ahead of its launch in April. The app features short-form news and entertainment videos, or quick bites, hence bye, Quibi, running 10 minutes or less in length. It attracted top Hollywood stars for its shows, too, such as Chrissy Teigen and Idris Elba. Investors in Quibi included legacy media companies like Disney, Comcast Universal, AT&T's Warner Media. To me, this is so interesting. Not that I, I'm not shocked at all. Like, I, I feel as though I did predict this. Um, but I find it so interesting because Quibi had two things. And to me, these two things equal success almost always unlimited money 1.7 billion dollars unlimited money and unlimited access to celebrities and celebrities on board and the fact that a company with almost every famous person in the world every single one every big media company behind it and all the money behind it couldn't make a success like that's what's shocking to me here the format made no sense and honestly the fact that it didn't succeed is not surprising to me but the fact that it had all that behind it and still didn't make it that's shocking no it's extremely interesting like it's an interesting case study yep that with all of those things like you still can't necessarily guarantee that people are going to download your app and watch your stuff no it's it's that's what's and that was the only thing I'm like I don't really get the need for this app but the fact that literally Chrissy Teigen Joe Jonas everyone was on it I'm like it's of course gonna be a success because celebrities are very effective marketers yeah and with that plus all the money Right. How could it not succeed? And the content is so high quality. I will say, though, that it seems like Quibi, Quibi's launch, like the intention for Quibi was for people on the go. Right, like, that's what I was going to say. Short form content, because that's where we were all headed pre-pandemic. Like we're getting faster, quicker, shorter attention span. Commute, watch this, watch this. And we're watching on our phone and we're not home at our TVs and we just like want to get snackable content. And then all of that changed and then Quibi launched like under the old pretenses, but in the new world. And so I think that... Already they were going to have setbacks due to that. But to be like a complete and like admitted failure in mm-hmm. six months is, is crazy. really, really crazy. But I mean, it, it was just really not their time. No, but the thing is, is like, and part of my frustration when we first started talking about Quibi was like people in the industry, like I had been in meetings with like different like whatevers. For years, people were talking about Quibi. Like I think the first time I heard Jeffrey Katzenberg's Quibi was four years ago and it's like yeah it's coming it's coming and literally everyone's coming coming and it's like first of all that big of a lead time you're only gonna fail first of all second of all if they had come out four years ago I actually think it would have been ahead of its time and like maybe had a a chance of success but the fact that it took so long to get here and then the time it got here it was in these unprecedented times was a recipe for disaster yeah this is interesting they said in the announcement that it's making a proactive decision to preserve shareholder equity and will return the remaining funds to investors Quibi alerted its investors and employees of the news on Wednesday afternoon they said while we have enough capital to continue operating for a significant period of time we made the difficult decision to wind down the business return cash to our shareholders and say goodbye to our talented colleagues with grace I think that's for the best um and she said, Meg Whitman said, we continue to believe that there is an attractive market for premium short form content. Over the coming months, we will be working hard to find buyers for these valuable assets who can leverage them to their full potential. So what they're trying to do now is sell, sell off, off the shows. shows that they created. You know, like we heard of Chrissy's Court mm-hmm. and the other one was um, like the Kirby Jenner. No, literally Quibi was built on the back of Chrissy Teigen. That's like <laughs> the only show I ever watched. I downloaded the app. 
and watched her episodes and then like couldn't really find anything else to watch. I watched a couple episodes of Punked. But there were also shows, yeah, Punked, and there were also shows that were like meant to be like high drama shows, mm-hmm. but that were 10 minutes. So they could sell the scripts, rights, everything right. to be shows to a Netflix and then Netflix takes it and does what it does. But Netflix but that, has so much content. Like, no, Netflix is always looking for content, but that hasn't happened yet. Like at the time of this, like I'm sure they were trying to sell their shows for a while and no one has bought anything. The Right, the, um, the report that I read said that they tried and failed yeah to sell most of their shows but Meg is saying that they're still on the market well I think Chrissy Teigen's show should be sold to like a Fox 5 I think it would be fabulous I agree or even like a Bravo I feel like Andy would love it yeah I think there's something there but I feel like we're just being like strangely optimistic when they're literally telling us point blank like we failed this is a failure there's nothing here (laughs) yeah it's crazy there were a lot of things about Quibi that I thought were um good not to be, you know, only negative. Like when we were using the app, like the fact that you could watch content that was filmed both vertically and horizontally and you could switch between and you would get different views, that was very interesting technology and I hadn't seen that before. Yeah, no, it was made for a world on the go and then literally the world stopped moving, people stopped going, and then Quibi launched. Yeah. For people on the go who are sitting at home who have a TV right in front of them and Quibi is not on your television. Yeah, and it's like I'm, I'm the queen of watching stuff on my phone and I downloaded Quibi and I paid for it for a few months and it was just, n- 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 I never felt compelled to open up the app ever. Yeah. So it's an interesting case study. Very. For the streaming wars. The first the sh- to fall. The first to fall in the streaming wars. Very sad. Terrible. But our fifth and final story is some exciting news for us Elwood stands. Legally Bond 3 is coming, but the release is delayed to 2022. Everyone's it's sta- a real it's re- a real reboot. it's not a virtual zoom reunion everyone's favorite Gemini vegetarian is postponing her return to the big screen Legally Bond 3 has been pushed back its release date and will debut on May 20th 2022 Reese Witherspoon is rec- reprising her iconic role as sorority girl turned lawyer Elle Woods for the third installment in the series the threequel from MGM was initially scheduled to open this February but those plans were quietly derailed even before the coronavirus pandemic caused movie theaters to close Mindy Kaling and Dan Gore wrote the screenplay oh my for God, Legally Mindy Bond 3 Kaling? A director has not been set yet, nor have additional cast members. Plot details have also been kept under wraps. Oh, so it hasn't been filmed yet. No. Uh, Wait, this is, first of all, I, Mindy Kaling being involved in the script, like, this is going to be good anyway, and I'm going to see it anyway, but it'll actually be sensational. And I would like to, um, let's go back and forth what you think the plot's going to be about, because I just had a good idea. Because now at this point, probably Ellen Emmett are definitely still married, and they have kids. Mm-hmm. And she's a working lawyer, big-time lawyer. Um, and she, it's giving me the vibe that, like, her character a little bit in Big Little Lies. Like, uh... And, like, Little Fires Everywhere, who she always is, like, type A. Yeah. So, uh, Elle's baby girl, let's call her, um... Elle Jr., is at school. And there's, like, a big dilemma at school. Like, something... I don't know. I can't figure out what it was, but they need a lawyer. And Elle, of course, does the case pro bono. And the whole whole movie is, like, them fighting for justice. I I don't know what the qualm is at the school. Like, maybe they need a stop sign. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But she becomes the pro bono legal representative for the school against the city. I actually have a really good idea. Okay. Based on real life, which I think always makes things more. Agreed. I think that the writers might be inspired by Kim Kardashian. Okay. And it might have like a criminal justice reform angle. Maybe it's like Paulette gets arrested Mm -hmm. for a crime and she gets an unfair sentence. Oh, this is a terrible idea. And then Elle takes on the work that like Kim is doing in Mm -hmm. helping get her 
No, I don't think that's a good idea because sentence shortened because the movies are very light. And so even like the legal issues they deal with, it's all very like light. I think like, no, I don't think they'll be too real for them. Okay, that's a good point. But I, I could see it. I'm very interested to see what happens. I do think like Elle in her personal life, like will still be married to Emmett and will have kids. Of course. And if, if they're not, like I don't want it. No, no. I'm not interested in seeing a single Elle. And I'm not interested single. in seeing like trouble between Elle and Emmett because like we've had, I don't know how long, 15 years with Elle and Emmett in our minds as like one of the best couples ever. And so I don't want to know that maybe they weren't. No, no, no. It, there's absolutely no possibility that they're not together. Like I will, like I will, I'll riot. Okay. We'll see. I mean, honestly, 2022 is in so, so long. long. Like, I want us to, like, be excited. You know we'll watch this episode in two years and see if we were right. Yeah. Hey, two years from now. Hey, hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing healthy. well. I hope you're alive. Like, I hope you're, like, better than I am now. now. Yeah. Um, and I just, like, what's good? That's Miss interesting. You. We should do a time capsule video for yes, ourselves. Yes, like Zoe 101. That we should watch when this movie comes out. Whenever it is. I love that idea. That's hilarious. Um, Okay. Were those all the stories? Those were all the stories, and I feel as though you needed to know them. Um, So let's dive into TV recap. We have OC Housewives and the David Letterman Show to do. We'll start with the David Letterman Show. Please. Um, And the David Letterman Show recap is brought to you by Bruch. Literally, I can't. You know what else is brought to you by Bruch? These babies. It is the best product I've ever owned for my teeth. It has really transformed brushing my teeth. Like, I can feel like a more clean and clear mouth and when I, I'm done brushing. I think my breath is significantly better. I'm being dead serious from starting the brush. I don't think I was like for the last couple of years like brushing my teeth properly. No, I agree. And also I always, I've always had this issue with bringing a toothbrush on me with me on trips uh-huh. like I never do and then I never have a toothbrush and it's just always my cross to bear but the brush comes in like this really cute travel case so mm-hmm. I always bring my brush with me on trips so like I never miss a day of brushing so brushing your teeth is a chore but brushing them is very fun and it's a hundred times as effective brush cleans your teeth at 31,000 movements a minute manual toothbrushes tap out at just 300 movements a minute many electric toothbrushes are barely a step up from the manual ones some do a good job but they cost over $200 brush delivers premium sonic wave technology without the markups that big electric toothbrushes tack on so it's just as effective as some of like the most expensive brushes out there but first of all it's so cute i have the like baby pink one and it's just like a fabulous thing to have on my counter it makes me feel very like grown up um it's very reasonably priced and it works so well there's no reason to get an electric toothbrush that's not the brush i'm telling you um and if you want to get 15 percent off your brush use promo code toast at brush.com brush is spelled b-r-u-u-s-h Dot com. Try it 90 days risk-free and get a two-year warranty at bruch.com, promo code TOAST. Check it out. Trust us on this one. Trust us on this one. Sign on, start bruching, change your mouth forever. Okay, so let's dive into I actually took notes from the Kim episode, and then I want to talk about the other two that I watched. Okay, I just want to talk about Kim for a minute because yesterday was her 40th birthday, mm-hmm. and like I just love and adore her so much. Everything about her, like she can do no wrong None. in my eyes. Like she is icon status forever. My respect all the way up here. And forever. Forever. Dave Letterman came this fucking close to ruining the entire episode. First of all, like let her speak. Yep. Anytime she was like about, she like would answer his question and then was about to like launch into like a, a, another statement. Like he would cut her off with a bad fucking joke. Mm-hmm. And I hate when like, I've not watched that many of his episodes, but I always feel like he's laughing at his guests. I, I know what you mean. And I actually didn't think that. I didn't feel that way about Dave Chappelle. I felt like he had so much respect for I Dave I haven't Chappelle. watched that one yet though. But I agree. It's like, 
So part of me agrees and part of me disagrees because that interview that Kim and Courtney did on the Letterman show years ago that like went viral where he was just like so nasty. Like, so you're like famous for having no talent. Like it was so weird. I like that he actually brought that up and like owned it and apologized. And I feel like he has enormous respect for like what she's done in pop culture, what she's done for um, prison reform. But I did feel like there was this underlying tone just being like, so like who makes more money? You're a Kanye. Like it, I just, I didn't love his tone. Yeah. Or like when she came out and the first thing he asked was like about her, her parade hair. and like how much it costs. Like who the fuck cares? Yeah. No, it was like a little condescending, like, oh, you're a little girl with your makeup and your hair. Like it, of all the people to get the opportunity to like interview someone so iconic, I was like annoyed that it was him. But I did think that he touched on everything I wanted him to touch on. I didn't even think of like the OJ stuff. Like, and he actually asked her point blank, like, who do you think did it? And what did she say? I think she didn't really give an answer. She didn't give an answer out of oh, respect for his children. Which then again, my respect. My queen. All the way up here. It's like, she thinks of everything like as a mom and she knows that OJ's kids, like she's not going to just like go out and call OJ a murderer. Like even though most people would, I just, everything she did was just like giving me life. I loved that they had Chris, Courtney, Chloe and Kanye in the audience with like a light on them. I think it added like a whole and other. Tracy. And who? Tracy, her friend. Oh, my God. I love that. It, I think it, like, added a whole other dimension to the interview, like, seeing their reaction, especially with the Paris thing, like, seeing Chris and Courtney, like, get so emotional. It was brilliant. Just brilliant beyond brilliant. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I um, wrote down um, was he, when they were talking about her prison reform work, and she was talking about how, like, everyone told her not to go to the White House. It would ruin her re reputation. But she was like, I'm not going to protect my reputation over saving someone's life, which I thought was really insightful. He then asked like the strangest question. It was like, do you <laughs> think that that opens the corridor of visibility and viability to democracy? And no, it was honestly worse than that. No, some people, like most people would have just like did not want it to seem like dumb and like would have bullshitted like, I think the corridor of viability for democracy yes. is definitely open. <laughs> and she was like, I literally have no idea what you just said. And like, I don't even know if he knows no, what he, he said. He didn't know what he said. No one in the audience knew what he had said. No one watching. Because it was like, a, such like say what, like, what is your question? Ask your question in plain English. Like yeah. the rest of the interview was not spoken in old English. So why is this one question? It was so bizarre. And I just loved her response. Like no, it was just so real. And like part of the reason why I love her is like she owns completely who she is. Yeah. Uh, she really, really does. It was wonderful just to watch her and like to see her in a different way than we're used to seeing her but I really like it made me like dislike David Letterman more than I already did I mean him in the CBS Even though was I, being, I, I really didn't have an opinion before never thought about him a day in my life like literally never saw like never think of him I find him I found him to be so annoying the CBS like with the battery swallowing like that's your best joke like this is the best comedian I swallowed a battery like <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't get it. And I'm about to say something really, really controversial, like really controversial, but like David Letterman is super old and he's been on television for years. And I feel like when he got his start in comedy and on television, the, the amount of people who could become famous and get on TV was very narrow. It was like men, straight men, white men, like it was very narrow. And now we're living in a world where anyone with a phone can become famous. And I think that like if David Letterman was 20 years old now, he never would have gotten a TV show. There are comedians who are far superior to him in, in writing and comedy. And I just think that was really evident where like he's with the most famous person in the world in a CBS and like his joke about swallowing batteries. Not only did he say it like four times, he couldn't let it go. Yeah. Couldn't let it go. Put it on his Instagram. Like not funny. Yeah. And we, oh, also David Letterman, like we get it. Like you're old. Like get another joke. Yeah. Like we, we see your beard. You're old. We get it. No. Where's the lie? 
Where's the lie? Sorry, and I know that's controversial, but it's true. No, I hear you. Here are my other notes. I loved the conversation about Caitlyn. Um, first of all, that those little nuggets that I didn't know, like when, when um, Kim had walked in on Bruce in women's clothing and like ran to Courtney's house and he called her, said, don't tell your mother. Very, very interesting. We did. You have heard that. We did know that. But see, hearing it being told like from Kim's mouth, like in just like story form, like painted a picture for me. Yes. And also we heard that story. I think it probably was around the time where Caitlyn was transitioning transitioning but now like five years out from that time like it's interesting to hear the whole story from start to finish as a whole yeah and the for me like one of my favorite parts of the interview was both David Letterman and Kim gave Caitlin credit for like the barriers she broke down um coming out as transgender and I feel the exact same way like I feel like Caitlyn Jenner has become like a little bit of a joke like in pop culture just because like she's like kind of thirsty um but I think it's not important that we not forget like at the time when Bruce became Caitlyn and that interview with Diane Sawyer it was unheard of like it was so crazy and I agree like she became the face and I don't know if the transgender community is so happy about it but but she became the face the public face for a lot of people of transgenders yeah and the trans community and I love that they gave her that respect because she's become a joke in 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 our culture and it's sad but what she did was incredibly brave yeah and I think that however we remember it now I think at the time it was one of those things where it's like everybody like it was a it was a huge cultural moment and a learning lesson for so many people. And I think that even though people might not remember how they felt before versus how they felt after, they they still feel that way about the after. Exactly. Like the and disrespect that we all had mm-hmm. towards Caitlyn, like before we knew what she was going through is not something that would happen again because like she did that. The first through the wall is the bloodiest. And yes. that was Caitlyn Jenner. Not that she's like the first transgender famous person ever, but she is one of the most famous and one of the earliest. Yeah. So, and the most mainstream. Yes. So I loved that part of the interview. Like it gave, I, and I know that it's hard for them to talk about Caitlyn because of what they perceive Caitlyn did to Chris. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they gave that respect towards her, like I really appreciate it. Yeah. And then of course the pinnacle of the interview was the, the, the stuff about Paris. Yeah. Which I never can hear her talk about without like sobbing, like hysterically crying. Seeing Chris cry made me cry. Seeing Chris and Courtney hold hands made me cry. Hearing Kim say that, and the way she said it, I thought was so interesting. Like as if it's like routine for women. She was like, all right, this is it. Like this is the time that I'm going to get raped. Like the way that she said it just like really sent chills up and down my spine. And then how the whole time she's in the bathtub with the concierge begging him, she didn't speak French, begging him to tell them that she has kids. Like she has a family, she has a husband. And all she could think about was Courtney coming home and like being traumatized by Kim's dead body. Like yeah. and that's, she was sad that she was going to have inflicted that on Courtney yeah I also thought it was so interesting when she said she was like just thank God that it happened to her and not any of her other siblings because most people like literally anyone else would be scarred for life Mm -hmm. from something that traumatizing but she is just like so mentally tough that it really feels as though she's unfazed unfazed and like dealt with it and yeah. I, I just feel like that's something that would always linger and I'm sure in a part of like it, it does and it affects so many of her decisions going forward but like that trauma I feel like lives with you for forever. anyone lives with you forever but like she and Dave did touch on this when he was like what you've been through in your lifetime like all of the things just one of those things is what one person goes through in a lifetime whether it's like your parents being involved in the 
middle of a murder trial right whether it's your sex tape your sex tape whether it's a, the robbery whether it's your stepdad uh, transitioning. transitioning in front of the entire world like there are just so many things and we always say this about them that it's like it's always the craziest thing that happens mm-hmm. next yeah no I totally agree and speaking of the sex tape really quickly I really appreciated that conversation I feel like that conversation as it pertains to Kim has never actually been had I feel like Paris Hilton starting to have those conversations about how like it was such a big scandal and like everyone was giving them shit and they were like canceled when at the end of the day It was an incredible invasion of privacy and they were really the victims of those acts. Whereas like everyone's like, she sold her sex tape to get famous. People love to say that about Kim and Paris. When at the end of the day, these were two young girls who had questionable judgment as any young person does. And their privacy was invaded so wholly. And like literally everyone in the world has like seen them naked and having sex. And like the way that she just spoke about, they've been through some of the craziest things and they always get to get through it just by sticking together and like being a family I think it's just like a wonderful message to send yeah I just I I could I wish the interview was three hours longer and less David Letterman and and with a different host who like had more understanding like you know she doesn't just post a picture and sell four million dollars in skims no it's so it's so belittling to everything that she does and I actually think he has so much respect for her but I just if I were I just felt like you know she was always like yeah yeah, Dave, are you, are you fucking done yet? Yeah, no, and he literally just, like, kept trying to do stand-up, like, in the yeah. middle, which is my least favorite quality. Like, you're good at stand-up, you're good at interviewing. Like, let's keep them separate. Like, it was just frustrating. He was just looking for a joke anywhere. And honestly, Kim was funnier than him. I said it. I said it. Oh, my God. She I said laughed more at Kim. She said something so funny. She was just, like, so quick. Yes, she's very on her feet, and she's... Her posture, I couldn't stop looking at. Like, she's so poised and elegant. Like, and also, she would, like, say something, and I'm like, okay, let's go down. Let's travel down this road. And he would just, like... Move on. Move on. Like, when she said the story about how she was pulling up to her dad's house, and then the press reported that it was a mistress, and that was, like, her first experience with, like, how... The media. The media can, like, m- like just really say things that are untrue. She was like, and that was my first experience. And it's like, elaborate. What, what was your second? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. It wasn't long enough. Yeah. I, I, I need that. With a different interviewer, four hours long. Yeah. But I still really, really enjoy no, it. No, and I'm glad. Like, this is a very serious show that he does. There are very serious guests that go, goes on. So credit to David Letterman. I mean, I, I just don't feel like he needs credit for having, like, the most famous, impressive, like, incredible woman credit in the world. Credit to Kim. But, but, like, thank you for, for having her on, even though, like, duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> um, the other episodes that I watched, I should have watched them in a different order because after Kim, like, I just couldn't get off that high. The Dave Chappelle one was very good. They filmed it. You know, he lives like in a random town in Ohio. Mm-hmm. He like never moved to Hollywood. So he says he doesn't really feel like a celebrity. He feels like a famous person. And he would much rather be famous than be a celebrity because fame comes with like money and benefits, whereas celebrity comes with invasiveness, red carpets, like constant effort. For sure. And I just I just want to preface, I haven't watched it yet. I'm literally going to watch it today. So I want to hear your thoughts, but like try not to No, I won't spoil much. it. But the Ohio was basically like the, the whole interview like his obsession with just like the concept of community and that's why he lives there he's like to like here yes I'm famous but like I'm really just Dave and the people here protect me and I moved here when the whole Chappelle show drama happened and like nobody was selling stories to paparazzi or taking pictures everyone here protected me and he just like is obsessed with not only his town it has an unbelievable history like because Ohio was an abolitionist state so during the times of slavery like black people weren't slaves but they also weren't free and it was just like this incredible community that's like very progressive and very um welcoming for everyone and very supportive of the black lives matter movement and it's just like this life he has there is so interesting and it's just like not what you would think 
for the most famous person in the world. And the conversations were a lot. The most interesting parts to me were the parts about um, his brand of comedy being like kind of offensive. And he's like, I don't set out to like make people cry. Like I'm not writing a joke. And honestly, of course, that notion that someone watches me, tunes in and gets upset is painful. I don't want to be that. But he just feels so strongly about his right to say it that it overwhelms whatever pain he might be feeling. And Dave really attributed like Dave Chappelle, Dave Letterman really attributed Dave Chappelle with kind of saving stand-up comedy. And so many comedians feel that way. And I totally agree. It's 100% true. There should be this reserved space within our culture where you're free to joke. And of course, we're like within reason, but that should exist. And Dave Chappelle is really like the cornerstone of that. That was super interesting. And then Dave's take on like police brutality in the Black Lives Matter movement was so interesting because Dave Letterman said like, and I felt this way too, like when George Floyd was murdered. Like so many people look to Dave Chappelle like as a, a leader and they want to hear what you have to say. And Dave was like, well, you know, I don't want to be a leader. Like Malcolm X died broke. I don't want to be a leader. I just want to be myself. And it was just like, a, and, and I felt the same. I felt like Dave and I was really, I actually think he did a way better Letterman. job. Letterman. I think Letterman did a way better job interviewing Dave Chappelle just because they're probably more similar comedy, whatever. Um, and I felt like Dave Letterman was really speaking for me because like, it's true. So many people from all different walks of life look to Dave Chappelle. He's been talking about, you watch his specials from 15, 20 years ago about being black in America. It feels like it was written today. Like he's been doing this for so long. And so he is through his unwillingness become a leader in the movement and someone people look up to. And I don't think he wants that. And it was just like interesting to hear him speak on it when he just, he just wants to be himself, yeah. not a great leader or a great thinker, but he is. Interesting. I'm excited to watch it because it will, sounds like I will have more respect and appreciation for David Letterman. When I didn't, oh, and David Letterman, yes. yes. And my, I didn't even, think my respect for Dave Chappelle could get any higher, right. but again. And then even more than I already do for Dave Chappelle. So then after watching those two, I watched Lizzo's. And to be honest, I only got halfway through it. And it wasn't because it was bad, but it's just Dave Letterman was annoying me so much. Like he was You had had three hours with Dave Letterman. Because you want to know why? I feel like Dave Letterman knows nothing about Lizzo. And I feel like he knows a little bit about Kim, a lot about Dave Chappelle, and I feel like he knew nothing about Lizzo. So it's like, I don't need you to explain to me that her name is Melissa Jefferson. Like, it was just so basic. And maybe it's because she's newer on the scene, but I just felt like he didn't do any research, and it was annoying. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to watch both of those today and let you know my thoughts. It's a really, it's a great show, and Letterman is annoying. I didn't watch Robert Downey Jr. because I just, like, don't care. Yeah. Um, so I won't be watching that. But if you haven't seen it, there's old episodes. Kanye did an episode. There's a bunch of good people in the I first. I watched the Kanye one. There's a bunch it's of good really people good. in the first and second seasons. And it's worth your time if you live and breathe and die for celebrities, which I believe you do if you're watching this show. I believe you do as well. Real Housewives of Orange County. Yes. You know what? I'm cautiously optimistic about this season. Like, I am not hating it as much as I thought I would. And as much as I've hated some of the seasons that we've been watching of other franchises, like, being weak. Yeah, I have a few initial thoughts. First of all, we're having the opposite problem of what we usually have, which is, like, it takes a few episodes for the women to get back into their groove because they haven't seen each other. We're having the opposite problem. These women see each other all the time. There is so much drama from the last six months that happened off-camera because they're always, like, calling each other. They and it's really a small town. They talk every single day, some of them. Like, some of them are really close friends. Their kids hang out. Like, we're catching up with the drama that's unfolded. So I think that that's, like, interesting. And we're just, like, straight out. It's shooting fabulous. out of the cannon. And to me, this Bronwyn-Gina fight is 
very interesting. So you told me, which I don't recall, that I am like a Gina Stan apologist. No, last year, like you were so like riding on Gina and like trying to get me to see the light. And like towards the end, you did get me a little bit, but I'm so far back. Yeah, no. And this fight between Gina and Bronwyn, I'm completely team Bronwyn. Same. And in the OC, usually in other franchises, I have people who I will ride for no matter if they're right or Shannon wrong. Shannon no, 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 no. I don't have that in the OC. Like, I feel like you have that with Shannon Bedore. I don't. I actually just weirdly, I just given Shannon like a pass because I think that what she's gone through in the last few seasons is like extreme. Yeah. So I just, I've, I've treated her like, I've given special. her a little bit of special treatment for sure. But that ends because now she's in a good place. That ends today. No, but um, I just like in Potomac, like Monique, I have your back. Yeah. In New York, Bethany, I have your back. Beverly Hills, Dorit, Erica, like I have your back. I so agree. I don't have that in the OC and I just, whenever fight is going on, I just take the side of the person who I think is right in the fight and nothing else. And so you I, know guess what? Last, I feel like that's how you're supposed to like watch Housewives all the time. Yeah. So I guess last season, I really just thought that Gina was right, even though I don't like love or, or hate her. And this season, I think that Bronwyn is right. I think that everything now starting with Gina and, the hus- and Bronwyn's husband's Ugh. text, now that gives context to like why there's like, tension tension between them i mean her making a mountain out of a molehill with that text like chill and no offense like her husband doesn't want you gina like go get your hair cut okay um damn her oh. hair is so tragic it means i'm gonna cry <laughs> i went to bed and i said seven hail marys for her hair and, and she, every season it's like worse new and worse new and worse and worse it's awful also i feel like bronwyn's husband sure that text like it wasn't like the winky face was a little it's weird not like the average text you get you know but from 60 your year old men text different than me also like bronwyn's husband's energy like he's just like a smiley different sort of guy he's like a hippie i feel like and him sending a wink like isn't the same as someone else sending a wink i agree and to have like, held on to that have an emoji it was an emoticon like you're thinking way too... You're, it you're was honestly a semicolon like, and a parenthesis. Yeah, like he's in a different like time. Universe, yeah. You I know? totally agree. It was so nothing. And like her running around like, you know, inferring like, oh, he... Like, it was it's creepy. so rude and it's so immature. And I, if I were Bronwyn, I'd be talking shit about her little house too. Because mm-hmm. what Gina did is far worse than calling her house small. Which at the end of the day, small is not a mean word. It's fact. It's a small house. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so and there's Gina that. and Emily getting drunk... And calling Bronwyn was just like, no, so fucking messy. Like, and Bronwyn, on the one hand, say it to my face. And two, like, we're on a TV show. So let's film this conversation. We're the biggest fight in the franchise right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not having this conversation with you while you're drunk on Emily's phone. Yeah. Huh? But quickly to Emily, I, and I can say this, I'm not embarrassed. Like, since season one, I have felt like there's real potential with Emily. And I think she's been derailed by a lot of her insecurities. Her derailment on her friendship with Gina, I think, definitely made her really insecure within the group. Um, but now we're at a place where I think that Vicky and Tamara gone, like, really gives, lends a space for Emily to be fun. And we get to see fun Emily and really be herself. And I think also her new hip is, like, a life changer. And I, like, love hearing about it. Like, I am an Emily, like, really big fan. And her um, intro tagline about something about being with something about her curves. Like, I just fucking love her. And I think that this is going to be the season of Emily. I said it. Yeah. If I were Emily, it would bother me when people, like, every time I ordered a drink, people are like, are we going to see fun, Emily? Like, that just, like, bothers me that when people say that. It is annoying. And if I were her, it would really fucking bother me. It's like, one, you're implying that unless I'm drinking, I'm not fun. And, like, that's just a a mentality problem that people, like, have to. And that's literally what Bronwyn is about to struggle with. Like, people will think she's not fun because she's not drinking. Those comments are exacerbated. You can be fun without alcohol. Right. So, like, it, that would just bother me It's hard, so much. but you can. No. And, like, 
I don't know. It just like triggers me. No, I agree. It's like rude. Yeah, it is rude. It's like deeply insulting to their character. Yes, I totally agree. But I think she's a very good friend. She's a little too excited for like taking the Bedores down. No, I know. She's got to slow down her role. No, but someone has to. (laughs) Like, I love Shannon. No, I love her too. And I'm so happy for her in her life. It's really weird that Tamara is like a big part of the conversation and she's not on the show. She's moving things around. I feel like maybe Tamara got fired at the last minute and she was like laying groundwork for the next season before she got fired that's what it feels like yeah it's it's weird to like be speaking of like the ghost of Tamara's past and like she's not even on his friend like it's not like yeah. when Vicky was like maybe in maybe out I'm surprised they don't cut out the Tamara conversation entirely but I guess it's germane to the storyline also um Emily and Gina did have it when they were, they were being really mean about Bronwyn but they did say something interesting like about her house like renting an 8,000 square foot house and like how a lot of their money is smoke and mirrors because Bronwyn is a housewife but I don't think she has a job otherwise and like what does he do it, it is an interesting I, I would love to hear more I'm sure that we will I'm sure someone is going to bring it up to her but on Bronwyn I'm so proud of her me too I think that Becoming sober, especially when you're a reality star on a reality show that is centered around drinking. We've seen it a few times, like um, people going on this journey. And I think it's extremely brave and it takes a very strong person. And I am very proud of her. I agree. And I think it's a great message to be sending. Yeah. And I like the new housewife a lot, actually. Oh, yeah. She She's reminds funny. me of like so many different people. I can't even put my finger on it. So when in her interviews, I was wanting to say this and I knew you weren't going to agree with me. She's her mannerisms, not looks. Her mannerisms give me like a little Luanda Lesseps vibes. I don't see it. I know. Um, but she does look like someone who I can't put my finger on, but it will come to me. To me, no one's going to see this either because I have a different set of eyes, I guess. But she remind like it's not the one who she reminds me of who I can't put my finger okay. on. But she weirdly reminds me of the older sister from the show Privileged. Do you remember that show? Yeah, the Khloe Kardashian lookalike. Yeah. She reminds me of her. And she also reminds me a little bit of Bridget Everett. No. No, I don't see the second one. Okay. I'm still working. I haven't gotten my the one that like is it, but I'm working those are two that are floating around. There's one that's it, and I just it's bothering I me. I can't so identify much, it. But it will get there. Her life seems extremely interesting. Fabulous. Fabulous. And I'm here for the casting. And like when she grabbed that kid at the party and she was like, this party's kind of making me want to have kids. You'll be mine for the day. And like grab some random kid. It was so funny. I think she's like funny and like she'll do good TV and like hopefully they take um, a trip on her jet. They need to take a trip. They need to like sync up because also the show has just like moved to Newport Beach. Like we're no longer in Orange County. And that's why when they drove to Emily's house, the kids in Bronwyn's car were like, where are we? We're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, also, when Bronwyn picked up Shannon for the night out and Shannon opens the door, she's like, we're taking a van? Oh, Bronwyn, you're driving. It was so funny. Then pulling up to the bar in a minivan. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, so honestly, I'm, like I said, cautiously optimistic. It really isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, but something about the energy is just extremely hectic. Yes. And I also feel like it's like a, due to them moving to Newport Beach and like everything is just like close together. Close together. Like I feel like tight tight it's yeah no Kodo, no more no interesting oh and we were talking last week where's kelly living she's moving near shannon and she's still in that tiny apartment she's in the toasty apartment yeah it's very toasty <laughs> she has this wallpaper no, she, and these couches literally. and this table yeah <laughs> um okay so that's our real houses of orange county recap and that's our show anything you want to say before i wrap it up today no that's all she wrote so excited for tomorrow friday last day of the week can't wait to celebrate with you all thank you guys so much for listening to the morning toast and millennial morning show where we deliver the past five stories that you need to know every monday through friday on youtube so you're watching us on youtube please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up we're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found so that's spotify itunes stitcher public radio iHeartRadio, Castbox. we are now available on amazon music wherever you listen to your podcast find us the morning toast and leave a five-star review about how beautiful stunning and smart we are 
Have an amazing day. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.